This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Lead Singer Syndrome is brought to you by Loot Crate. Head over to LootCrate.com slash LeadSinger and enter promo code LeadSinger to save $3 off your first subscription. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. So good to have you with us on this fine Monday morning or whenever you're listening to this. As always, my name is Shane Told. I am your host on a podcast where I speak to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman, in this case, front man of a professional rock and roll band. And this week we have a great episode. I speak to my very old friend, Vic, from Pierce the Veil. My band Silverstein, we were just on tour, actually, with Pierce the Veil in Australia. We tried to hook up to do a podcast then. We were going to actually do it on an airplane, which would have been kind of interesting. Unfortunately, you know, Australian tours are really short. It's a small country. It's a big country, but it's a small country. only played like five markets there or something. So it was too quick, in and out, but I'm really happy we got to connect today because Vic is one of the best, one of the best dudes, one of the best singers, one of just the best all-around musicians we have in this punk scene of ours. Before we get into it, I want to remind you guys we have like 60-something back episodes, so subscribe to this show if you're not already Go back, listen to some of the old episodes. Some of them are really good, but we got some great episodes coming up in the future as well. So I am really excited. 2017 is going great for me already. Um, Oh yeah, I have to tell you guys about my New Year's resolution. Uh, I am three weeks in and I have lost eight and a half pounds. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm eating a lot of of bagged salad, which I, I am enjoying, I think. Also, if you guys have any New Year's resolutions and you're getting to the point where it's like, "Uh uh-oh, I need a little help, I'm here for you. I can be your buddy. Send me an email. I love when people get in touch with me. The show email is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, which is at leadsingersyn, S-Y-N. And we're on Instagram, at leadsingersyndrome. We got a Facebook page, all that stuff. But what I really want to tell you about is the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. Now, this show is free. It will always be free. And I will put out an episode just about every Monday as until I, I don't know, until the world explodes, which could be sooner or later with Mr. Donald Trump, uh, president. Uh, welcome to the White House, Mr. Trump. Fuck, fuck my life. But if you're one of those people where one episode a week, it just might not be enough for you. Some people are really into this show. So if you want to get more bonus content, if you want to interact with other fans of the show and myself on our private Facebook group, which is popping off, by the way, if you want to get exclusive Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise, if you want to get signed stuff mailed to your house, we're starting up to do some contests on there, which is really cool. Also, a little bonus monthly Q&A session with me. I play some tunes. We have a good time on there. If you can contribute as little as $6 a month, you can be a member and join us and really help us keep the lights on with this show. It really is a good time. So check out leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. That will take you to the all access club homepage. You can just, you know, just check it out, read about it, see if it's right for you. 
And of course, all your support goes a real long way in helping this thing grow. So thank you so much to everybody that's already joined. Shoutouts to my sinners. And I hope everybody else checks that out as well. Anyways, I'm going to keep the intro short and sweet. I will talk to you after my conversation with Vic of Pierce the Veil. Maybe we're just having so much fun. Dude, so good to have you, man. Um, hey. We're doing it. We're doing it. We've been talking about this, doing this for a little while. This is happening. This is happening. Now this is happening. It's like that um, <laughs> that scene in um, Anchorman where Jack Black kicks the puppy. <laughs> now this is happening. Which is, <laughs> which is appropriate because I imagine you're in San Diego right this moment. I am. I'm in my backyard. Right. Oh, right now. Dude, do you know how jealous I am that you can be in a backyard right now? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I, I cannot be in a backyard. I mean, I could if I like wanted to put on my parka and my like long underwear, you know, but. Yeah. Dang, dude. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. So are you just hanging out? What, what's, uh, what's new with you, just uh, life wise? Uh, let's see. What's new? Well, uh, you know, we just got off of like six months of touring, uh, <laughs> yeah. of, you know, off of the. Um, release of our most recent record misadventures so we um so we've just been kind of working that like crazy and and uh it was you know once the holidays kick everybody kind of takes a break and um does you know the new year's eve and christmas hangs and stuff and uh and uh so kind of just been doing that and then um just kind of gearing up to head up to canada in in a couple weeks here i see that Um, i see that that is my motherland so um no that's yeah that's perfect man yeah so um with your record misadventures i mean it's very well documented that the record took a fucking long time to actually (laughs) come out and before we get into the reasons why you know Mm -hmm. now that it's out and you've been touring on the record for like you know six months straight um, how do you feel about the record now? Did it kind of do what you wanted it to do? Uh, was, were the songs popping up off live? Like, how, how do you feel about the record with, when you had a little time to kind of sit on it? Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah, man. It's been uh, it's cool because you know every record you do, you kind of it's like watching your kid grow up or something. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah, you can like you like don't know what it's you know what it's going to look like. What you know what kind of personality it's going to take on. You know it's and it's uh uh it's cool to see a record develop on its own and and um because you know you make your your piece of art you know and and you feel really proud about it and and you just you never know what people are gonna respond to and um so uh so it's been awesome to you know get out on the road and and you know see um you know people singing the songs and and uh and and playing them is is just uh almost therapeutic now that you know you've worked so hard on creating them it's like it's really nice to actually play them no it's so it's um, fantastic yeah man it's been super fun and uh, you know this record's also brought on a lot of uh uh new things for our band which is uh always always nice to keep challenging yourself with uh you know like um this is the first record we've ever had any sort of radio play so right, that's been yeah been uh you know sort of new for uh you know just for our band in general and uh so uh 
so yeah, it's been it's been fun. I like I like I like having you know new challenges and experiences yeah, every, every yeah. record. That's cool. Now I noticed the radio thing a little bit. Um, just kind of looking you know through like chart history and being like, oh crazy, this you know your last single had had some play. Um, and it's funny because, you know, our bands have been around a long time and actually Silverstein, we're getting the first radio play we've ever had up here in Canada, like legitimate radio play. So it's funny (laughs) how like, it's like these, I don't want to call them like dinosaurs, but it's like, you know, (laughs) the people that care about music are the people that are like on the ground level that are finding about out about these bands. And they're typically not the people that are like listening to the radio on the way to work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because those people, totally. those people that care about music are listening to podcasts on their way to work, but we won't get into that. <laughs> uh, but but what I'm trying to say is like sometimes it really takes uh, these people in radio a long time to notice. Oh shit, people like kids like this band, and this band is good. Um, yeah. So was the road to this kind of having some success? Was it a difficult road? Have you guys been trying for a long time? No, honestly, like. Um you know, we we've always taken our our band with really slow steps, and and you know, to to be perfectly honest, we radio was never uh, a, an option for us, or even like a thought in our head most yeah. of the time growing up, because we're in like punk band, you know, a punk band, sure. and like yeah, I know, I know. So I get it's like it, man. you you know, you grow up thinking like you know that's not really your focus. Your focus is is uh, the shows, you know, going to. Uh, you know, touring as hard as you can and playing as many shows as you can, and uh, and that's what's cool is is because you know uh, our bands still you know have that mentality of of still touring like crazy. So you know, um, when I say that we have like this radio stuff going on, it's it's basically like throwing new um, elements into the mix, like doing different kind of shows and playing for um, you know audiences who. Uh, haven't been following us for 10 years, you know, like yeah. just random people who hear us randomly. And uh, so I, I think it's, uh, it's been, uh, it's been really cool. Cause I, I like feeling like, um, you know, like a new band again, sometimes, you know, when you're first starting out and working, working your songs to people who don't know you, it's Absolutely. like that feeling again. So Absolutely. That is, it's, that uh, is it's a rad. cool thing. You miss, it's funny. You miss the early days of like touring in a van and playing to 50 kids. Cause like, you know, those are always the, the kind of like, you know the crazy times and that and you look back with fondness but like yeah it's it's nice to go back but you don't want to go like all the way back just a little bit of the way back <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but being you know being a punk a punk band and being a punk rock kid um how did it feel to be like oh shit we have a gold record like that must have been a trip <laughs> congratulations Dude. by the way oh thank you uh yeah man it, you know it was uh it's pretty crazy um uh you know i'm a i'm always the kind of guy that that i don't know people have to sort of um tell me to i, I don't know like enjoy the moment you know that that this you know that you know you've been given a gold record for this album and right. uh you worked really hard and enjoy it you know and and uh you know sometimes Have i'm always just kind or of, something yeah i'm always i'm always <laughs> kind of thinking about the next record you know so it's it's but it is nice to um to see that because there was a lot of um you know it was a good, it was a great time making that record and we put we put a shit ton of work into it and uh and we also had a lot of great people involved in making it so you know um people like my friends like Brian Southall or or yeah, I know B South very well yeah, or Jason Alon from Let Live and Kellen Flynn from yeah. Sleeping with Sirens sure. and my friend Curtis Peoples who 
helped co-write, you know, one of my best friends that I've known since I was 15 helped co-write, um, you know, our gold single. And so it, it was like a lot of, um, people involved as well. So, which made it even more special. And, and, uh, I'm getting a lot of phone calls from all these people saying, Oh my God, I just got a gold record at my doorstep, you know? So, yeah. well, that's cool <laughs> that, a- that you guys are, or fearless, whoever was able to make, you know, gold records. I had, um, I had Sierra, um, K from you know from Versa Merge, and mm-hmm. I asked her. I was like, "Did you ever get the Data Remember Gold record?" And they're like, "No, I never, never got one. Never got set, one sent to me." And I'm like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, it was Victory. That makes sense." <laughs> this is true, but that's this awesome. No, I did see Brian uh, Southall's record. I think on Instagram, Gold Record. Oh, yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, that's that's nice. That's a nice little uh, a little piece." And like, it's really nice to see um, friends doing well and and. And that's, oh, yeah. that's terrific, yeah. dude. Thank you, brother. So I want to talk about your beginnings. Um, you guys have had such an interesting career. And part of why I wanted to have you on the show is just to talk about that, like the ups and downs of your band and, and where you are now. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really cool story. But before we get to that, like you grew up in San Diego. I know there's a little bit about your early life kind of documented, but um, mm-hmm. take me back. Like, how did you get into music? And, and uh, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you and your brother playing together is is a cool thing too. So I guess your family must be really involved with your career. Yeah. Yeah. They've, uh, you know, um, I think it would be tough for any band to, to really start out in the very beginning, uh, without, you know, uh, somebody helping you out. Like, sure, um, I think so. You know, like somebody has got to help you pay for those, you know, flyers that you're passing out or those CDs that you were burning back in the day. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but I mean, um, yeah, so we we came from a musical family. You know, my my dad was a uh, my dad's is a guitar player. You know, he uh, he plays mostly like jazz and blues and rock and roll. And he kind of you know came from the seventies and he's a hippie. And are you a better guitar player uh, than your dad? No, no. Which sucks. He's still better than you. Believe, you can't I, I can't believe father. it, <laughs> dude. Honestly, I, I never will because he, he's a different type of player than sure, I am. You know, sure, he's, of course. I'm the kind of guy that can like learn every single note in a song and like you know. Uh, really perfect things and he's a little more uh soulful and plays you know he can't play the same thing twice you know what right, i mean because it yeah. all it all comes from inside of him and uh so uh you know we're just different types of players but he he did teach me you know um everything from the beginning and he taught me taught me a lot of like jazzy stuff in the beginning which i can, i think in spanishy kind of stuff which i think kind of shaped um shaped a little bit of you know um my background i like as that a word spanishy spanishy yeah like that. yeah you know because you know <laughs> he loves it. like Sant- <laughs> yeah he loves like santana and stuff like sure, that man, and, sure. and, and uh over the years i got into that stuff as well and uh so yeah you know we, we came from a you know very supportive musical family we still practice at my parents house like at we we built a legit uh studio you know it started off as as like the garage and then cool uh you know and then we tore all that down and actually built a legit studio at their house so you know when we rehearse for um tours we actually still go over to my parents house which Did is they cool. come in and tell Jaime to turn down the bass that, no, was always, they, they, that was always my favorite you know like when you're practicing i guess it's different in california because you don't really have basements but we right. practice like in the basement and you know the bass wasn't even that loud but it's like the thing that shakes the whole house oh yeah and my mom yeah. Would, my mom would come down with like tomato sandwiches or like cookies <laughs> and she'd be like sounds great guys is it possible just to turn the bass down a little bit it's <laughs> it's shaking the plates off the wall <laughs> it's like the it's like the weezer say it ain't so video where the mom comes in doing laundry like and, and then yeah. just like leaves them alone it's 
It's great. Yeah. I mean, that's my dad comes in and sits in on practices and, and just like rocks out to, you know, the parts and that's you know, gives, gives funny suggestions. And uh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So, yes, yeah, yeah, so your parents have been really supportive. So, so you, do, you got, do you have some early bands, early punk rock bands and stuff growing up? Like, mm-hmm. what, what were the bands that really made you be like, okay, I need to like play rock music and, and like I need to, to, to do this myself? Yeah, um, I guess, uh, I mean, some of the first shows I went to, um, you know, growing up were probably mostly fast punk bands, you know, like, um, all the Epitaph and Fat Records bands. I I was super into them, you know, being from Southern California. But I was in Toronto too. Like it was a phenomenon, you know? Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, it's Um, funny the other day they, they, um, I don't know if you saw on Facebook, everyone was posting like the top 10 records from that influenced them in high school. Mm-hmm. And I, and I didn't, didn't make a list cause fuck that. But I saw somebody <laughs> posted as their number one record, the survival of the fattest comp. Yeah. Uh, do you remember that fat records comp? And, and to yeah. me, that was probably the most influential, uh, record for me. Yeah. Yeah. That. And then the punkaramas were, yeah, were exactly. Great. The, exactly. Those compil- compilations where, you know, they would just have, tons of epitaph bands or you know they would put their best bands on there their favorite song and pass it out at warp tour and then that was like that was like your playlist for the next you know Absolutely. few months um and uh yeah so I, I got into that in the beginning and um i always had kind of like a split um split life as far as like my musician you know my my bands went when i was a kid i i always had a band with my brother where we played fast punk and then i had a band with my best friend curtis who who i was just speaking about who uh yeah. is still you know i still write songs with um him and i you know started more of like uh we would play music influenced more by like stone temple pilots or third eye blind and and pearl jam and stuff like that so we, right. we always had like a little more rock and roll um band and then i would have my punk band so it was like i would you know be able to satisfy those you know those both styles of music that I loved. And, uh, and then, you know, I think that's kind of also what helped shape Pierce of Vale was, Absolutely. you know, was, um, learning how to play those types of music and then kind of combining them. No, oh, that's, that's cool, man. That's cool. So you guys started, um, uh, so, so when you guys started getting to be good, like being a good <laughs> band, you know what I mean? There's like, there's a point where, as a kid, you're like, okay, we don't suck. Like, we can probably play a show, and maybe people will like us. Like, um, yeah. When did that happen? And were you always trying to be a singer, guitar player, or were you uh-huh. just trying to be a guitar player? Yeah, uh, I I started off um, just as a guitar player for a while, and then when me and Mike started playing a, in a band together, we, you know, um, I could, I knew that I could kind of carry a tune, and <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was like. You know, that's how they, that's how you pick your singer, basically. Can you, absolutely, can you make any noise out of your mouth? Like, okay, good, let's go. And, uh, so yeah, that's how that started. Um, you know, and, and as far as like, when did you feel like you're getting good? I was like, I have a theory about that is, is, is you always think you're good, like in the moment, you know, <laughs> like you think you're amazing, like you record your demo and you think it's the best thing on earth. And, and then five, ten years later, you look back on it and you're like, oh, my God, like <laughs> I was, you know, what were we doing? And uh, so That's I'll probably funny. think it's very I'll good. Probably, 
Yeah, I'll probably think that about the music I'm making now in like 10 years. I'll be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but in the moment, you, you're really stoked on what you're doing. And that's what's important, really, honestly. That's like what drives, you know, people to create stuff. And you're just like loving what you're doing. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how that goes for me. So when did, well, when did you guys decide, okay, like, let's take a shot at this. Like, let's go get a van. Let's do some shows. Uh, yeah. You know, like, when did that start? thing happen when you're like okay we're gonna start taking this seriously we're not just gonna be play kids you know playing yeah. in my parents garage uh it happened the day that we got signed to a record deal it was i don't know how you guys got signed but ours was so like cliche like the record label guy came out to the show took us out to dinner and and said do you guys want to do a record deal with equal vision records was it, dan? it, it was dan and steve they both came yeah, out crazy um and the owners of Equal Vision and uh, in New York, and they flew out to San Diego. They, they, you know, they kind of heard word of mouth that we had a following, and um, you know, we were uh, we were like selling out local shows, um, and uh, you know, doing really well in San Diego. So, um, so they came out and saw us, and um, and uh, yeah, thank God that show went well, and and um, <laughs> and then you know, they they literally just asked us that night and and uh so that was you know that thing that's when things changed you know i dropped out of school because we started touring a lot yeah so you um, hadn't you know, really was, toured before that no no i mean we were it, you know we were just like a local band and, and you just kind of like you're loving playing but you never actually know if it'll ever happen you know what i mean right um will, will we ever get that chance or that opportunity to actually um make this a career and uh and uh yeah thank god that you know that that happened for us. Well, you also live, you also, where you started the band, you have a good benefit of being in a, you know, Southern California where there's a shitload of people, there's a shitload of venues and there's places to play. Like, or were you guys really just, just like sticking around San Diego? Like, did you guys play LA and Orange County and all that? Yeah. Um, no, you're, you're totally right. Um, you know, being from San Diego, it's such a, uh, very supportive city as far as music goes, you know, there's shows all the time and tons of people to go to them and tons of high schools and tons of kids and, um, so that was really helpful. Um, but, uh, we couldn't get outside of San Diego. It, it's actually really hard to get outside of San Diego if you're not, you know, um, uh, you know, if you don't have any sort of following anywhere else, like, right, I guess yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe back then it was harder because there was no internet or anything for people to hear you, I guess. So, um, for us, it was really difficult, you know, like the furthest we could get was like playing the chain reaction in Anaheim. And, and, uh, that was like, the yeah. coolest thing ever just to get out of your town um well, but legendary um, legendary venue that's for sure yeah man so um you know we might have played there there like once or twice but um it was really difficult they wanted you to sell tickets and and up yeah. in la and right, you're like right. i don't know anybody in la you know so uh it was a uh, yeah it was it was kind of tough to get out until we actually got signed and started touring and opening up for other acts you know yeah no that's cool it's funny you say how you're you asked kind of how our story was of getting signed almost yeah. exactly the same thing we'd sent nice. we'd sent demos to different labels like three song cd demos and we, we were actually kind of funny because our band it's still kind of like this like we have heavy songs and we have like softer songs yeah so we we cherry picked and we sent like the heavier songs to the heavier labels and the softer songs to the softer <laughs> labels like we had a drive-through was interested in us uh -huh. and we'd sent them like all our like more pop punk songs right and then when they wanted to hear the rest of them they were like, yeah, no, not for us. So that was fine. You know, it was fine. Um, but yeah, Victory pretty much called Rick right away and was like, same uh -huh. thing. Tony, the owner of Victory, came to Toronto, watched us play, 
took us out to breakfast uh-huh. and uh yeah and that was it and then we we kind of got the the deal and we were the same we'd only toured a little bit in canada like yeah in our kind of shitty van and we would played local shows like we'd never been to the u.s we'd never you know done anything yeah. serious so that's funny you know how we have i guess and i guess that's just of that era yeah yeah i maybe it is um you know, maybe that's just the old school way of yeah. how they signed it, like an indie band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, it was—I don't know. I mean, it was—it was super exciting um, for us. I don't know. Like, what were you doing in your life? Like, like what? What did you uproot to like keep going? Like to be in a band? I was. Well, I was going to university. Yeah. I was okay. Going, yeah. I was so going was I. To, yeah, you were going to San Diego State, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you were in what? What? What year were you in? Like, what uh, year I was, of school? I finished my third year, so <laughs> I was so like funny. pretty. I was pretty close to graduating and yeah. never did. <laughs> Me too, man. Yeah. I did. I was in my first semester of my third year. Yeah. And I draw and at Christmas, yeah, I, I finished my semester in Christmas. I pretty much failed a good chunk of my classes because I was I couldn't focus on school. Are you kidding me? I'm about to make <laughs> I'm about to make a record on Victory, which is like my favorite label. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I couldn't focus on school and then yeah, I never went back. I did two and a half years. Yeah. So it's really funny yeah. how we're like almost what exactly you, the same. What were you studying? I was studying science. Uh, yes. Molecular biology, I guess, was my was my major. That's what about crazy. you? Yeah. Uh, I was I was trying to be a graphic designer. You know, I was I was oh, always cool. into art and and uh, I knew I wanted to do some sort of art and uh, so that it kind of helped. It was kind of cool. I still use that part of my brain. You know, still like. You know, working on all the art that we do, any sort of album designs, T-shirts, like whatever it is. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, in the early days, I started off doing all of our merch and, and you know, um, designing all that stuff in the beginning. But then, uh, you know, we met a lot of people who were much better than I am at it. So Right. And, you know, <laughs> the focus changes, too, on, like, you know, your day-to-day, you know, kind it of does. life and stuff. But, no, I'm sure, so, like, some of the art direction you got, you guys do and... Especially with your live shows, I always like, you know, the things you set up, you know, in terms of your yeah. live show. I don't know if you, you Dude, must have a hand in that. I mean, we do all of it, like 100%. Yeah. You know, everything comes from, like, little sketches that we make in band practice. Like, I'll, we'll draw it, you know. and Draw your set stage up a little, and set, set up and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's straight up, like, we'll make little dioramas of, like, what we think the stage might look like and send them to, you know, the real deal people who can build it. And, uh, and that's, you know... I think that's how any of this stuff starts, but, uh, um, but yeah, you know, we still stay, um, completely hundred percent hands on, on all of our, yeah. all of our stuff. No, that's awesome. And I, and I think, I think this all stems from, from the next thing I want to talk about is for you guys, it really has been like slow and steady wins the race, you know, pardon the, uh, yeah. the adage, but because I remember you guys coming up and I heard, heard your record on equal vision, the first record, mm-hmm. and I absolutely loved it. Um, no, and thanks, I man. right away heard, I heard it very early on. Like I might've heard it before it even came out. Like, a, yeah. like I had like a promotional copy or something. And I was <laughs> right away. I was like, this band is going to be huge. Like this, this band is great. And I remember like, <laughs> I remember being at equal vision at merch now. Yeah. Um, and we were getting a bunch of like, they were letting us kind of walk through and grab whatever shit, you know, we wanted. Oh, yeah. and, those are the best. Those are the best days. Oh, I know. <laughs> and, and it's funny cause I, I remember I had like, I was all stoked on the, your Padres, um, you know, rip off baseball tee. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. meanwhile, my band is like, you know, with as much converge merch as they can carry. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I'm like, and my band's like, pierce the veil. I'm like, you haven't heard of this band? Like, you haven't heard of this band? This band is like, 
is like amazing. And they're like, oh, no, no, I haven't, haven't heard it. And I was like, and I remember talking to Dan, I think, uh-huh. when we were there. And, and he was kind of like, yeah, like, I don't really get it why this band isn't, like, isn't <laughs> popping off. Like, we're trying, we're doing everything we can. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, I think that was after that that we, you know, we ended up hearing, I played, played you for the guys. And then, we, you know, we brought you guys out on tour. But that was Hell like yeah. 2008. And it took you guys a really long time to, to, I mean, obviously to get where you are now, but even just to get kind of anywhere where you could do like decent sized headlining shows. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was a, it was a long road and, uh, you know, a lot of opening up mostly in the beginning. And, you know, I mean, when we first started, um, the only bands we could tour with were other bands on Equal Vision, you know, and uh, our booking agent, our first booking agent, who is still our our booking agent, Dave Shapiro, who was, uh, he worked um, exclusively for EVR at the beginning. Yeah, he worked, you know, as Equal Vision's in-house booking agent to book all their bands. And and that was right out of him uh, leaving his band, Count the Stars, who was on Victory as well. Um, and, uh, so he, you know, started booking us with just, you know, Fear Before the March of Flames and, uh, uh, Code 7 and all the, all these like, oh bands my God, I on. love Code 7. Yeah. They're amazing. They're great and, uh, so, uh, yeah, we toured with all our, our, you know, our family, um, bands and then, uh, kind of started branching out from there. But yeah, you know, it was, it was, you know, playing coffee shops and Chinese food restaurants and you know like <laughs> actually you know, like you actually play yeah, a chinese I mean, food restaurant i think our yeah i think our first show ever was at a chinese food restaurant and, <laughs> uh and uh yeah so um yeah man lots of playing to very little crowds and then and then slowly getting bigger and bigger and then finally having the confidence to to uh you know make take the risk and do your own tour you know absolutely was, uh, well you know I, I talk about 2008 when you guys jumped on i forget what happened you guys kind of jumped on last minute and it was um it was <coughs> us which is a it's a hilarious lineup now to talk about it was it's us it was us headlining with the devilers prada day to remember mm-hmm. and you guys yeah which if you guys yeah. want to do that tour again i mean i'd be more I, than happy to open <laughs> Dude, that would be so uh, yeah. well, we can just swap out every night sure whatever was that the uh was that the that wasn't the Chillers tour, was yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was. That, was Chillers, that was, yeah, Bros I, in the Snow. That's right. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Bros in the Snow. Yeah, we had a little. Uh, we had a little robot guy wearing a beanie, and it was. Dude, a, it I was well, I have that. Uh, that um, I made a, a little. Uh, this is kind of shameful, but I made I made a like a little um, framed my. Uh, band passes you know like my oh yeah all my all my laminates from like the really early days and uh that one is on there i see it all the time it's awesome yeah it has yeah it's it's like a ripoff of eddie like the iron maiden uh killers oh is that what you guys were that's what yeah that's what it was it was a ripoff of killers like eddie and then we tried to do the robot kind of as eddie uh and then i think we but then i think we we put a uh, toque or a, sorry a beanie we call them toques in canada uh, a beanie yeah, on yeah, his yeah. head and and then we call the bros in the snow which <laughs> which as uh, i recall yeah, that was, was a cold tour so i do i do remember you know i do remember uh being on that tour and it was yeah man and, yeah well then you know fast forward to 2011 we do it again you know you guys are direct yeah. support to us this time and oh, i yeah. felt i felt like seconds after that tour ended Something yeah. like boom, something happened and you guys just exploded. 
<laughs> and I and I really want to know what happened. Like, what the hell happened? Why did it take so long? And then what was it that just all of a sudden clicked? That was like, mm-hmm. okay, like all these people know about our band all of a sudden, and everyone loves us. And like, right? What, uh, what was that? Because it's so it's me? so un. It's very very rare to have that happen. You know, on a whenever that late into a band's career. You yeah. Know? Yeah, well, what happened basically is we we put out our record Collide with the Sky, which was, you know, became like our breakthrough, you know, quote unquote breakthrough record where, you know, um, whatever, right place, right time, right songs, right whatever. Right tours. Yeah, yeah, right tours. Um, It was uh, the record just caught on with with our our fans. And, uh, you know, it, it was like at the time where we had we had done enough of the, of the work. Like we had worked our asses off touring every single place, you know, like over and over and over and land uh, opening and opening. And finally, you know, there was enough people knew who we were that when we put out a record, you know, um, they, they got it, you know, and they, they heard it. And, um, so that was like the groundwork. And, and then once it came out, we were, um, we kind of hit the ground running with, uh, with a single King for a day with, uh, sure. yeah. that featured Kellen Quinn from Sleeping with Sirens. And, uh, that, you know, we, we put that song out right before Warp Tour and we sang, we did it on Warp Tour and, uh, and it, um, yeah, it, you know, and then it kind of went from there. But, um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. That was just kind of the, the record that kind of kicked off. And most people, you know, at that time, uh, that might have been the some people that was like the first thing they ever heard of our band and you know they're like oh who's this new band and we're like well actually we've been touring for like six years or you know but yeah um but uh yeah man i don't know it was crazy i just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from raycon i opened the box opened up my phone and literally in less than a minute i was jamming out to my favorite tunes what struck me right away was how well these fit And then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash LSS. If you're in tech... You've been there before, feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development, only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, 
Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and MapMyFitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, I asked um I asked a couple of you know the fans of the podcast and stuff to uh you know, I always, I always let them know. Oh, this is a guest happening. Some of the VIPs, and do you have any questions? And it's funny because one of my, one of my, um, a big fans, uh, Brendan Potter, he asked. Ah, I'll read you the question. He asked you this. He goes, "What's it like becoming one of the most popular bands in the scene? They become the face of the scene for some of these younger people." My <laughs> stepsister is a junior in high school, eleven years younger than me. Absolutely hated my music growing up. Now, Pierce the Veil is her favorite band. She was blown away when I told her I saw Vic live with Cinematic Sunrise, Daphne Loves Derby, and My American Heart back in like 07. She actually found Pierce the Veil after their Conan appearance. She's now head over heels into the scene, and they're her favorite band. Do you guys get that sense? And if so, is there pressure added to it? That's his question. And and it's relevant to what we're talking about, you know, with with where you guys are now. Yeah. Man, yeah, that's crazy. That's a lot to think about right there. <laughs> Sorry, it was a long, very long-winded question from, from Brendan Potter. Yeah, so many emotions just came up for me in that, in that question. Daphne oh Loves Derby, that's a band I haven't thought about in a minute. Damn. Yeah, oh man. Um, yeah, um, I don't know, man. Uh, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, like I said, it's, it's just kind of um, been such a, such a slow rise for us, like, that... Uh, I think we've always just kind of, um, I don't know, been been ready and comfortable for every like kind of step that that our band has taken. You know, it's like yeah. from from starting to headline to uh, to doing bigger headliners to you know finally doing like festivals and and uh, um, so I don't know. It's just uh, I don't know. Well, like well, I, I guess I can just say like you know we kind of get as. as yeah, as we go here, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really know how to answer well, that. That's one. fine. I mean, yeah, it's a lot to, it's a lot to take in. But I mean, I mean, <laughs> do, do you think that that this slow rise to where you've gotten has has kind of kept you a little more grounded? And and I mean, obviously, your personality is your personality, and I've known you a long time, and you've always been a great a great guy and very humble. Thanks, dude. Um, I right, bet gotcha. Well, thanks, man. But but <laughs> but I mean, you, you gotta you gotta wonder like the fact that it wasn't like your first record boom like king for a day or whatever song is like blowing up and and yeah. you know you're on the radio and you're on MTV and all, like you guys really it's like all of a sudden you you look back and like, it's kind of like what you said about enjoying taking time to enjoy the moment cuz you've always just been yeah. like okay we achieved this little thing what's next what's next what's next and yeah. now it's like now you're just like okay well I'm the same guy we're just 
You know, yeah. I just got I can rent a better Airbnb now, you know? <laughs> totally. That is literally what I do now. Uh, I, I've been reading about uh, you. Yes, I want that's a yeah. question I want to ask you. Now, um yeah, man, um I guess uh um yeah, I guess I don't know how to so you can answer that. So I guess it's I think along the way, you know, having such a, you know, long career in this band like so far, you know, like in the slow rise is like it's all about I I guess we had the I guess the um I don't know, the luxury of 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 learning from a lot of mistakes and uh and learning from a lot of bands and uh, you know, you know, every every bigger band that we toured with, um we pick something up whether it was something awesome that that band or or something super shitty that that band did you know what i mean like Sorry and if you're uh, talking about us no we we're not, <laughs> not talking about you guys no we you know like um you know i remember like one of the first um first like quote unquote like big tour for us was going out with scary kids scaring kids and uh uh emery and uh wow yeah and and uh emery was uh the headlining band and um or no i actually i think they might have been but uh anyways we we learned a lot from them because um you know they treated they treated us like really well and really um um kind of took note that you know we were uh you know a young band who didn't really know what we were doing and and uh and uh you know they would get us a hotel for the night sometimes or like wow, or buy yeah. us all buy us all dinner or something like that have a pizza party you know and those little things kind of like stuck with us and and uh and then we would tour with with sometimes we would tour with bands who would do really shitty things and and you know and like treat treat everyone like really really bad and and uh and then we would be like i don't we don't ever want to do that to people you know like we uh we're gonna strike the drums if we're <laughs> if the stage is too small you right, know what i mean right. like like uh if uh, if they need to have room on stage, we're going to leave room for the openers, like stuff like that. Isn't you know, it, was was a isn't was it a amazing big deal. the whole striking the drums thing? Like like first of all, how bent out of shape some people get about it. Yeah, and, somebody can write a whole book on on striking the drums. It's crazy. Honestly. Yeah, for people that don't know, we should talk about striking the drums. It's such a great topic, and and for <laughs> people listening that might not know what that means, it's like when you go to a show. Um, and there's the opening bands. A lot of times you'll see up on the back riser, there'll be a drum kit. Hopefully it's covered with a black sheet, but sometimes it won't be. And it's, <laughs> it's basically a huge, I mean, eyesore for the opening bands playing. That's the first thing. And the second thing is it really, there's really not a lot of room on stage uh, for the opening bands to play in front of. And sometimes yeah. bands... They like if you're in a huge venue like the venues we were in in Australia, for example. Like these yeah. are, stages are huge. Like it was never a problem. Like we were fine. You can fit five, five drum sets. Up exactly, there. it's no problem. Yeah. But when you play like certain, you know, venues with tiny stages, and these bands still think they they can't strike their drums, they need to leave them up. And like you know, when a singer has to pick a side to stand on, you know, it's <laughs> it it can yeah. be really horrible, and it can really really put a rift between headlining bands and opening bands yeah yeah um yeah man i mean uh it was uh you know when i've got mike's kick drum like in my ass and i'm like trying to like perform up there and i and i'm tiptoeing around right uh tipping around on stage and there's only one foot of of uh of stage up there it <laughs> is it's like that was a thing like back then you know like uh, or, absolutely. I mean, i'm sure it still is you know and uh so, uh, you know, those are the things that, uh, you know, you remembered like, and, um, 
Um, you know, so we, we kind of take all that with us still. My yeah. favorite, my favorite striking the drum story ever. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's hundred percent true. And I'm not going to change the, I'm not going to change the names of the bands. Uh, yeah. so I believe it was Chiodos was headlining yeah. and they played, it was a pretty big tour. So they yeah. were kind of getting used to not striking their drums, but there yeah. was a few shows where like they really should have and they didn't. And, and one of them, they were playing at the cat's cradle in uh, North Carolina. You probably played uh-huh. there before. And, yeah. um, I guess uh, whoever it was, I guess Dan, yeah, Dan from the Devilers Prada. That's who was opening for them. The Devilers Prada put up his drums in front of uh, uh, Derek, I guess you know Derek Drummer for Chiodos. Yeah, and his kick drum was literally overhanging the stage. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, no. so he's like, "Yeah, like this isn't gonna work, man. Like, I don't know what to tell yeah. you." And oh, their God. crew, the Chiodos crew, was like, "Oh no, 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 it's fine." And they went and they pushed. <laughs> like road cases in front of the stage to make the stage a little bit bigger. Wow. So that the drum, like the, you know, whatever they're called, like the, they're called like the drum pegs, you know, that stick into the ground. Yeah. Drum legs. I don't even know what they're called. Yeah. Uh, so that they were like, you know, against the road case, like that was wow. on the floor. They, they, they built more stage. For they you. built, well, very, very <laughs> sketchy. Like there's no way that would have been. And yeah, and very Mike, had to, Mike from Prada had to pick a side and that was, uh, wow. <laughs> so that's my favorite, but it's, you know, you, yeah. people listening, like they understand that those are the things when someone's shit talking a band, it can be just something like that, that can yeah. really be a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember. Honestly, I, I have I have the same exact thing happen with on Chiodos, uh when we were out with Scary Kids. They they wouldn't strike their ego risers, which are the you know these yeah. people out there who don't know what that is. It's the thing that you know the guitar players stand on. Um, and uh, we call them rock boxes. That's rock what we call boxes. Them. But, yeah, but ego risers. Ego risers um, is like such a funny term for them because I know, it's it like literally that's. <laughs> but the, what works out syndrome, with, you know. The thing that worked out nicely about that name, though, was uh, they had um, so they decided not to strike their their ego risers, and they left them all over the stage. And then they posted these um, paper like notifications on all the doors of backstage that said uh, ego risers are for Chiotas only, and uh, wow. we weren't we weren't we weren't allowed to step on them, or so we had to dance around them and kind of like try and perform with these things all over the stage. And um, and, and I remember, wow, that's uh, crazy. That's that's amazing. I, yeah, I remember uh, Puyon from Scary Kids. He crossed out the word riser and wo- and it said egos are for Chiotos only all over the venue. <laughs> and uh, it caused this big like problem. We had to have a big talk. And, and uh, But it was, I thought it was pretty great. Yeah, Puyon would so, do uh, that. Yeah, I miss he was that great. guy, man. He's, he was always climbing on shit and everything. He would, oh, my God. I could definitely that, see that being a problem for him, not being able to step places on the stage. <laughs> the first day I met that guy, I remember he... Uh, they they were the first band I ever saw with a bus, and uh, oh yeah, he he like first day I met him, he like made a big entrance, like jumped out of his bus, like hanging on to the door like a like Tarzan, and like did some <laughs> weird like fucking flip thing, and I was like, what the fuck, this guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's That's great. crazy, man. That's crazy. Well, I want to talk a bit about you and your songwriting because it's very also well known. The first thing we talked about was how it took like four years or whatever for misadventures to come out but mm-hmm. you know even back in the day you know you went i think it was a long time between the first and the second record 
mm-hmm. maybe it was someone from EVR that was saying, yeah, like Vic just takes a long time to write. That's just his <laughs> style. And you yeah. know, you've almost become a bit of a notorious perfectionist. So yeah. t- talk to me how, how that works. Cause I know you also do co-writes too, but, mm-hmm. but why does it take so long for you to put together records? Uh, I think, um, well, it's weird, dude. Cause like every record is, a, is completely different process. And, um, uh, you know, it's like, for me, it can never really be the same. I've never been, you know, the kind of writer that just goes in there and, and bangs out like, you know, 10 songs in, in a week, you know, like, uh, I, and, and I also, I think another thing that takes a long time is, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time on the music first, you know, making all, all these like, you know, tons of guitar riffs. I love to, I love to mess around with guitar and, and, uh, and, uh, really make the songs have a lot of like feeling and emotion without even putting a single word on it you know so like when you hear right. a song without without words you're like you're like feeling things and you're like damn this is like a sad part or this is like really pumping me up or like you know so interesting yeah okay of, yeah I, yeah i spent a ton of time uh you know locked away in different you know houses and cabins and fucking you know just finding different places to work and, and writing songs that way. And, um, and then, uh, and then later I go back and I, you know, put lyrics to them that also lyrics and, um, and I spent a ton of time writing lyrics and, and, uh, um, you know, I, I, and, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. It's just, yeah, uh, that's, it's just always been a, it's always been like a, you know, painting a picture for me. It's like, you know, you just kind of know when it's finished. You know, I don't know how a painter ever goes, all right, that's the last brush stroke. You know what I mean? It's right. like, that's kind of how it is for me. I just kind of feel it, you know? I definitely understand that with a record. And for, for generally, like, with recording, like, a you know, a studio album, I, I find the last paint stroke is done when we ran out of time, you know? Like, you pretty much <laughs> use, you're going to use the studio time, you're going to have, like, pretty much all of it. Like, we've done records yeah. where we spent, like, like an obscene amount of time tracking. Like I think we did one record that we did like eight full weeks or something tracking. Like, yeah, you know, and and we used it all because we had the time. Yeah. And then there's other records that's like, oh, you only have you know four and a half weeks. Okay, well, you know, we got it. We use that too. So, but but I want to go back to what you just said about about writing music and focusing on music and like, do you not even think about what the vocals are going to do when you're writing, or do you have it kind I, of in the back of your head, or not even? I do. You know, I, I write a lot of melodies um, in the beginning and, I, and uh, you know, and lyrics here and there. Um, most of the songs end up having, uh, for me, end up having, like, complete melodies. Like, the song is there with a bunch of gibberish. Like, you know, like, what I mean? Like, I, sure. it, it's all in there, ready for words and stuff. And I, I kind of have it all mapped out the way I want it to be. And then later, I kind of, like, put words to what I've you know, to these melodies that I've, um, got in mind already. And, uh, it's sort of a backwards weird way to do it, but I, I've always done it like that because I'm, I've always like kind of been a guitar player first, you know, always, um, just learned, um, that way. And, um, I I was super relieved when I was watching this Metallica documentary and I learned that James Hetfield did the same exact thing. And, uh, and I was like, (laughs) Oh, thank God. I'm not like an complete insane person for doing this, you know? (laughs) No, I, and, um, and, and, and Vic, like I do the same thing too. Like that's, that's how I write songs too. I've like focused on the music and I try to make the music good and catchy. 
And it's like, yeah. I, I know if the music is good and it makes sense, like musically mm-hmm. and like the rhythms are, are, are working and everything that I know I'm going to be able to pull it together yeah. with vocal. Hell it's yeah. just like, if it's just like, it's just like as a guitar player, it's pretty easy to write a lead over mm-hmm. like, a, a, you know, a, a musical part that makes sense. Yeah. So, so it's the same way because all you're doing with, with writing vocals essentially is you're writing a lead. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, uh, and for me, like, um, you know, on this, on this most recent record, it was like, I had, I had the whole record on a silver platter, like waiting for me, like to sing on it for months. And I, I, uh, I think I, I think I had hit a point when I was doing this record where I, um, you know, I had worked so hard on the music and been in the studio for so long, like that, uh, I honestly had had overworked myself and I was like, I was like, I, I need to take a little break or I need to leave the studio and go to a different environment or, or something, you know, cause, uh, when it came to do vocals, I was, uh, I was just, uh, pretty overworked and, and pretty, uh, you know, needed to see some friends and, and some, right. Just and, like uh, kind of recharge for a second. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, cause I was, uh, I was living in, um, the studio by myself in, in New York, um, in Long Island. And, uh, and it was there was like nothing around and and I was there for like months just kind of like on my own working on the music and and uh and uh trying was it to like winter time too yeah it was like winter you know yeah, that's tough um, for a San Diego kid I guess <laughs> it was it was uh it was crazy you know and I was like living there because the band had gone home once I'd finished their part um and uh so I think mentally I just gotten like a, a really um just stressed out state and and uh uh, I was really, you know, I was in love with the songs. I love the song so much. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and honestly it has a lot to do with, with, um, I, I guess just wherever my head was as, as a, as a person, like growing, you know, we all are growing up doing this thing and we're not the same kids that we were um, when we first started our bands, you know, we're growing up as adults and men. And, and, uh, I think, um, I was probably just kind of going through something growing up you know and and uh and it was like a phase in my life that i was trying to finish this record but i was also kind of battling things in my head and and uh and uh i think uh that all had a lot to do with it so um yeah damn yeah 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 man no that's that's crazy so you took so you, you took a little bit of time then and 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 then came back and wrote the vocals yeah well actually what we so we actually we actually went on tour for a little bit um to kind of just take a breather and kind of see our fans and remind us that you know this is what you do this is your wow um, yeah you know this is the stuff you love and and uh so we played some shows um and um and then i went back and kind of re you know came in with a different headspace and and uh uh instead of staying in one little studio i i decided to travel around a lot and and uh you know um kind of just um you know move my brain around a lot you know go to different different little houses and different studios and and it all kind of helped um you know the uh i don't know the little mental space i needed to to you know finish the record um but that's uh, crazy yeah yeah no it's it's funny man i can relate too i'll sit on my couch you know at night in in an evening you know and i'll be like okay i gotta write some lyrics and yeah. like I'll sit there for like four or five hours, and if I write mm-hmm. like two or three lines that I'm happy yeah. with, that's like a success. 
for yeah. me. <laughs> totally. I, I was the same way, you know, when I was making this record, I would, you know, every, every single, every single line counts, every single note counts. And, it, and it's like, to you, it's like, you're hoping that this is the greatest thing you've ever created in your life. You right. know what I mean? That's what you're, that's what you're trying to do. You know I mean? At least that's what I'm trying to do. I don't know. Um, like with every record, I'm trying to, you know, um, put the best of what all, all these years of, of, uh, of, you know, being a songwriter and being, you know, making songs like this has got to be, this is going to be the best thing we've done. And, and, uh, so, uh, yeah, man, like every, every time you do have that little victory, they're, they all are like little victories of like coming up with like the perfect, you know, part for the bridge. You're like, Oh yeah, this is going to be great live. You know, right. you can't wait to do it. And, uh, well, records, yeah, that's, records get harder to make, man. They, they just do. <laughs> it's, it's true. And, and I think there's a combination of, of, not running out of ideas. That's not the right word. But it's like you're you're writing Pierce the Veil songs. You, you don't want to write the same one over and over again. So you have to continue to, you know, try to come up with original ideas. But at the mm-hmm. same time, as you get older, there's more and more things in your life. There's more and more obligations. You know, mm-hmm. when you're making your your first or second record, no one's like your manager isn't calling you. Uh, hi, Michelle. By the way, I love your manager. She's amazing. Yeah. Uh, your manager isn't calling you being like, oh, yeah, so we got to figure out the stage plot for this and, like, what, <laughs> what kind of, you know, backline are we getting in, on this tour? Or, like, you yeah, know, yeah, there's yeah. all these distractions, too, that, that, that I don't want to say they come into play, but that's probably why you can need to lock yourself away, you know, in a, in a, yeah. in a ranch or Airbnb or whatever it is somewhere to, to kind of block that out. And that's, to me, like, I mean, I think records get harder. Do you? Do, do, you, do you agree with me? I I think that um I think I I do agree with what you're saying you know as you as you as you're a band longer like your responsibilities as a band are are tremendous you know like yeah. you uh if you're still like you know trying to to grow and and do crazier things you know you're like you said it's like uh you know what are we doing for this next tour you know uh, let's approve this this and that and, and whatever you know when you when you run your own show you know like like we do and, and it seems like you guys do as well you know it's it's uh you've got a lot um more moving parts and stuff and yeah when you make your first record when you're a kid you have your whole life to make that record like you've you've been you've been you know working in your bedroom uh you know relentlessly making that record and and uh um so you know every pro- like i said every process is different and uh and I also think um, I th- I always look at every record as as a as a bit of a time capsule, like what was whatever was happening in your life during that you know two three years uh, yeah. is what gets down on on paper. And uh, uh, if you uh, you know whatever's going on in your life is is what you're gonna write about, you know. And uh, so uh, if you've got really crazy things going on in your life, you're gonna end up writing about them. And, and uh, <laughs> sure. And uh, I think on a uh, I think on this last record, uh, I had kind of just dove deep into the record. So, um, yeah, damn, yeah, 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 man. I want to ask you a couple things. Uh, my, my one question I wanted to ask you because I'm selfish mm-hmm. is, you know, <laughs> we talked earlier about your love for punk rock, and you grew up mm-hmm. with punk rock. And one of my favorite things about your band is how much you still incorporate that influence into your music. And it's funny because not a lot of bands, you know, in the scene or whatever you want to call it, are really doing that, like having double time parts. And mm-hmm. not only do you guys still do it, you do it really well and kids like eat it up. And like, 
it's cool because it like works for me and it works for kids somehow. But is that something you think about at all? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, I you know I've always figured that every young kid who likes you know music is gonna like fast music. You know, because that's what I mean. I don't. I just have a theory that fucking everyone's gonna fucking love it when they're young. Like I love. I loved it when I was young. Like it, it had to be fast, or else I didn't really like it. Oh, God, you know? me too, and, man. And, uh, if it didn't have like, you if, know, if it wasn't mostly double time, like I used to skip the like regular time songs. I wanted. I needed that. Yeah, it's like it's like more aggressive. It's you know you can go crazy to it. Like your parents hate it. Exactly. And it's. Yeah, it's you know, and uh, that's that's what I loved, and um, I I just don't see that ever really dying. You know, I, I feel like there will always be some sort of need for um, for that aggression and for that fast um, beat. And uh, and my brother Mike, uh, who's our drummer, you know, being um, just so uh, ingrained in that music, like it's it's his bread and butter. He can, you know, he that's what he grew up playing, and and he's probably one of I I think one of the best fast drummers out there, you know, and yeah. it's like, it's really great, you know, playing that music with him. Um, Absolutely. because you know, him and I really, him and I really, um, lock in on it and love doing it together. So, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, and, and <laughs> you know, and, uh, it, it is very like self-indulgent too, because it's so fun for us. You know, exactly. I love doing it. So. Exactly. Well, yeah, man. You feel free to be self-indulgent just for me because I, I love uh, I love that aspect of your band. It's like one of one of my favorite things. Um, I also want to ask you before you go and ask you um, about your vocal, um, your style. Um, have you you sing very high and you do a lot of vocal exercises? Has that been something like is it do you have to do vocal exercises? Because I've heard you like warm up for like an hour at least uh, before you play. Like is it is it is it kind of a combination of you can sing high because you've done so many vocal exercises or do you have uh-huh. to do a lot of vocal exercises because you sing so high? Yeah, I honestly don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, it's like, I, uh, I, I remember I actually sang lower when I was younger for some reason, like, which is probably not really the way it's supposed to go. But, um, you know, um, maybe the vocal exercises have helped. Did I honestly, you know, we, you and I both grew up in the uh, in the time when there was a certain time of of our genre where it was if you couldn't sing high, you weren't shit. Like it was like you that was the goal was all these singers were trying to sing like super high, like right. Circus Five, and you know, or Sales, and you know, to start off, uh, yeah, sure. uh, you know, Kyoto's like every everybody like loved singing these you know high and and and. Uh, so I, I started kind of reaching up in my range and realized that I could, I could hit these notes and stuff. And so, and it, and it actually kind of, it felt comfortable for me, you know, um, that's kind of where my, my voice feels like I'm getting something interesting out of it is when I kind of, kind of push it. And, uh, uh, you know, my mom will tell you the exact opposite. She loves when I sing like low and, and, uh, and chill, but, uh, you know, she's always like, why don't you just, Thing lower and I don't, I'm like it doesn't sound cool you know um, it's funny yeah so, uh, that's funny but I don't know man it, it's just uh um and I do uh have to take care of my voice a lot on tour and uh um there's a lot of you know things that I do to keep, keep it in uh tact and stuff because all these songs are very um you know when you're doing like an hour and a half of, of songs that are 
basically pushing your top of your, your yeah your voice um at the you know maximum capabilities at all times it's uh it's not uh it's not easy so uh you have to definitely take care of it and uh um what's the one thing you but, do uh, what's the one thing that you do that you think is the most important uh sleep oh yeah sleep really <laughs> uh, yeah honestly number one for me has that i've learned over the years is, is if i you know if you sleep enough you're you're basically kind of uh rehealing you know that's like when your body heals itself is when you're sleeping you know and resting um so um i try to make sure you know that i you know before every show you know that night before i get like a good really good sleep and and uh uh it really helps me not lose my voice you know in a in a tour you know because that's the goal is to like get through the entire tour without losing your voice and uh and uh yeah, man. All right. It can be super hard when you're traveling so much. And, uh, so, um, you know, I, I've tried everything, tried all the, you know, vaporizers and steam inhalers and, yeah. you know, sprays and whatever, you know, vitamins and water and this and that. And I've found that the best thing is just to make sure you get enough rest. It's crazy. So, That's crazy. Um, is it hard when you go to like Australia? I mean, we were there together. Uh, you, you were yeah. fine in Australia, but it must be hard when you have to deal with jet lag where you're not able to just be like, okay, I'm going to sleep for eight hours in a row or whatever. Yeah, no, it is, you know, it's super, uh, crazy when you're, when you're flying a lot and, um, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, uh, that, those are the, the hardest times. I think when you have to do a lot of flying and stuff like that, so it's, it's, it's tough because, um, you know, it's part, that's a whole part of it. You know, that's staying healthy as, as a singer is, is, uh, is important, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Uh, one final question. Uh, what do you think about the Chargers uh, leaving in San Diego? <laughs> uh, it is, um, it's it's pretty sad. You know, I, I think the thing that hit me the hardest was, uh, you know, a friend of mine made a post of like being like, oh, um, um, you know, no more, uh, no more tailgating with my friends and my family, you know, no more uh, parties at, you know, our house, like where everybody comes over and, and uh, kind of has those kind of family friend times right. of, like come together. Um, you know, and, and for me, I was like thinking like in the future, like, you know, my dad took me to all these games when I was a kid and, you know, I won't, won't be able to do that. And it, you know, so it's a, it, you know, we still have the Padres, which is, you know, cool. Absolutely. So um, you got, you signed uh, Will Myers today. Yeah. He's, uh, so, you know, it's, it's just, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of a bummer in the, in the, um, you know, family friend, uh, zone, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, we will press on. We'll be all right. <laughs> You'll be all right. Yes, you will. San Diego. You stay classy. No. Uh, thank you, Vic. Uh, you're the best man. Uh, thanks for doing this. And, uh, I hope to see you around soon. Hell yeah, man. Thank you so Dude. much. This is awesome. And it was good catching up with you, man. You're great, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Take care. All right. Later, Shane. Cheers. Bye. So there is my conversation with Vic. Such a great guy. It's amazing how we have so much in common. He actually sent me a text after the interview and said something like, talking to you is like looking in the mirror or something. And I, first thing I thought is he's way better looking than me. But, you know, hey, whatever. Thanks again, everybody, so much for listening to this. Make sure you're subscribed. If you dig the show, word of mouth is really what's helped this thing grow so far. So tell your brother, tell your sister, tell your aunt, tell your uncle, whatever. Post about it on social media, you know, help spread the word about this thing. And if this is your first time listening to the show, go back. We got like 60 more episodes. Check those out. 
and make sure you're subscribed so all that stuff is coming right at you. As always on the show, I will leave you with some music. Now, there's a lot of Pierce the Veil songs I like. There's a lot of good jams. I have picked this one specifically for selfish purposes as this is my favorite Pierce the Veil song. And I like it, kind of like we talked about in the in the podcast, I like it because it's a fast as fuck punk rock song. So here it is. Texas is forever on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. And we'll see you next week. I'm <laughs> sorry.